Hello, everyone. This is Darren Ellis, and you're listening to P2P Podcast. Today, we're talking about how to get unstuck with our guest, Cleve Gaddis from Workman Success Systems. Cleve has built a highly successful real estate business in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and is a master coach with Workman Success Systems. He has coached literally hundreds of successful real estate agents on how to create what they call predictable greatness in their business. Now, in building a successful business, there are very likely times when we get stuck, when no matter how hard we try, we just can't find a way to achieve the goals that we're trying to achieve. So today, we'll talk about how to get unstuck. Thanks for joining us, Cleve. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, as you know, Darren, I'm becoming more and more and more a part of the Pillar to Post family. And so I feel like it's uh, it's really an honor to be here. And hopefully we can help add a, a, an FBO or two in the process. That's fantastic. That's what we're looking for. So, hey, let's start with, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your background? Maybe tell us about the journey you've been on and, and what you've been able to achieve using the the methods that uh, that you prescribe to. Let me go, Let me take you all the way back to the beginning. The first 10, 11 years of my work career, I actually worked for Electrolux, the vacuum cleaner company. And I taught people to sell vacuum cleaners door to door. As I got out of that business after 10 years, I thought that most of what I had learned was really not very useful skills. Turns out that what I learned in the vacuum cleaner business are the skills that I keep using over and over and over. Long story short, when I got out of that business, Decided I wanted to be a real estate investor, realized that I could make money, but I couldn't make enough money to support my family and uh, make a good return. So I got into real estate. I was fortunate enough to join a family business in 2002, and um, I purchased the business. I purchased the brokerage over time. Long story short, we are a team now uh, that is very administrative heavy. We've got seven or eight administrative employees and then seven or eight real estate agents. And we've got a good little business. We'll probably close 240 or 260 transactions this year. And the coolest thing about it is that I work maybe one full day per week. No, I don't just work one day, but I work a few hours here and a few hours there in the real estate business. And some of it is a little bit luck, meaning things coming to the right place at the right time. But uh, that's what I do. And then I coach real estate professionals all over the country. So I have 14 to 18 different clients and we do some consulting and we're just trying to help everybody figure out how do I get over myself so I can build my business. Yeah, that's awesome. Very impressive. Well, thanks for setting the stage for us today. Uh, you know, when I talk to small business owners, and and in this case, I'm really talking about our franchise business owners, but it, but it really goes well beyond that. You know, I often run into a, a situation where the owner is feeling frustrated. Their yeah. business isn't going in the direction they want. Uh, maybe they want to change, but aren't sure how. You know, sometimes they're scared or a little insecure. Maybe they're feeling some financial threat to their family or their future. Like these things get very emotional, right? Um, I'd like to talk today about the kinds of advice you might give someone who's feeling stuck in this situation. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I heard you say two magic words. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what those are? Well, those two words for me are it's you. But when I say them for myself, it's it's me. Because what is so interesting, and I'm assuming that the majority of your FBOs are entrepreneurial minded, meaning they they believe they bring a unique flavor to the world. They believe they have a higher purpose. They believe they do what they do better than anybody else does it. Unfortunately, with that entrepreneurial personality type comes some 
drawbacks come some downfalls. And so most entrepreneurs don't really need anybody to help them move the business forward. They know what to do. They know when to do it. They know what to say. The issue is when they try to surround themselves with other people to help them build that help them scale, if you will, that fabulous, fabulous culture they have uh, created, they don't have any patience for the people around them. And so it is such an interesting thing because the entrepreneurs who own these businesses are the reason the businesses function so well. And they are also the reason that the business cannot continue to grow. And when you mentioned the, the, you know, the emotions of feeling stuck or insecure and those types of things, those, I, those just resonate with me because I can so remember feeling that way in business. And by the way, still sometimes today feeling that way in business. And so the words, it's you, are what I use to remind myself, no matter what's happening in the business, it's on me. Now, I don't mean that I can control what everybody does, but I either have a people problem or I have a process problem. That's it. I don't have any other problems. And most of the time, Darren, I think initially, and I'm sure that Many listening to this today will say, yeah, I, I typically think it's a people problem. I have a problem with the person, but the issue is more than likely a process problem. It is that person, that person who's going to help you grow doesn't understand exactly what they're supposed to do. So it's just a mindset that uh, it, it gets me and anybody around me to accept responsibility for their role in the situation so that we start taking responsibility for solving it. That's amazing. Yeah, talk a little bit more about the, this this process piece, the systems. What do you mean by that when when you're when you're talking about that? Why why is that the problem? So anytime a business does something three or more times, you need to have a written process. And I'll give you an example. I was on a meeting earlier today with real estate agents in Boulder, Colorado, and their question is, what do we need to do to get buyers to move forward? They think they're going to look at 30, 40, 50 houses. They don't need to do that. The truth is they should be moving forward. And so I politely asked, where's the plan that shows them what they're supposed to do to move forward to the home buying process? And I know it sounds so simple, but to say to someone up front, you only need to look at 12 or 14 houses more than likely to find one that you want to buy. And so if we've looked at 12 or 14 and you haven't found one you want to buy, then we need to back up. We need to reset because we're doing something wrong. And so everything has a process, the way the phone call is answered, the way a lead is taken, the way a complaint is taken, the way billing is done. And in the real estate industry, when a new listing comes in, it's a very specific process and there'll be 70 or 80 steps and different people in the organization are taking care of everything. So I mean, it is the process that is the problem, generally not the people. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share one other little example. Please. This is from the real estate world because that's where I live uh, more, but I think it applies anywhere. I'm working with a, a very high-end real estate team in Northern California. They want to do some additional online lead generation, so we create some very specific Facebook ads for them, and the leads start to flow in, and we're not getting any results. So the team leader says, my people are not doing what they're supposed to do, and I say, We've got to check the process first. And so we check the process and it turns out the way the system is following up with people, 
we have two different campaigns and the follow-up has been reversed. So if it's a buyer, they're receiving a seller campaign. If it's a seller, they're receiving a buyer campaign. And we don't know why we can't get people to interact with us. And so we just start at the beginning of the process and keep going through the process till we get it worked out. If the process is dialed in and somebody doesn't get it, they're the problem. But if the process is not dialed in, it is a process problem. And it'll take us, Darren, in this particular case of those lead gen and conversion in Northern California, it'll take us three three or more months to get it all straight. Got it. The perspective. So when we're talking about processes, I, I yes. get how that works in a bigger yes. organization where you have lots of people, right? And you maybe you have your training manual and the chain. What about if you're a, a single operator, you're, you're you know relatively new in the business, you haven't yet hired folks. How is it that process could still be the problem in, in that type of a situation? So uh, in many cases, uh, so, so in some cases, the process is not the problem when it's just an individual entrepreneur. But I want to mention a, a very important point. If you want your business to grow, regardless of where you are today, you need to act like where you are tomorrow. So if you're an individual sole proprietor and you're doing everything, you need to start thinking about how do I put things in place so that somebody could duplicate what I'm doing. Now, when I first became a team leader in real estate, I thought nobody can represent sellers better than I can. Nobody can represent buyers better than I can. The truth is, is I've found 20 people over the years that represent both way, way, way better than I do. And I would imagine as a home inspector, it's easy to think I'm the only one who can do this. And this is going to sound really rude when I say this, but home inspection is not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. It's a fairly systematic follow the plan. Same thing with real estate. I had a real estate coach one time who said to me, Cleve, I mean, um, you're not really as smart as you think you are. And real estate, not nearly as hard as you make it out to be. And that hit, that hit home for me. So, um, you need to be thinking about how you teach other people to do the things you do. It'll seem like a total waste of time to write down your process for what you do when you get to an inspection and how you greet people and what you work through and what your order is and things like that. But it is so valuable to do that. And as you start to commit things to paper, it gets easier and easier for you to do the same thing over and over again. I know that's a little bit of a me kind of sliding in a concept that's not yeah. really truly the answer to the question. But if you want to have a business that's at a thousand inspections or two thousand inspections or three thousand inspections, then you got to start acting like an, uh, a home inspector who has a thousand inspections today. Yeah, no, and it, and it feels like in doing that too, there can be some diagnostic work going on there if something's not working for you. Review that process, even if you're the only one that's using it, but spend some time uh, thinking about that and thinking through that. Absolutely, absolutely. Even when I was working on my own, still selling, I was constantly revising my scripts and revising my follow-up processes and everything just to continue to make it current, to make it right for today. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we've got it's not the people, it's the systems. So focus right. on the systems. Yep. What else? What else comes into play here as you're thinking about well, so it's me and couple, the things I can do? Yeah, just a couple of other little points there. And and that, you know, once you start putting your systems in place or the or the processes in place, everybody's got to be clear on their roles and responsibilities. And if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't have any plans to hire anybody. The odds are you probably should hire an assistant sooner than you think you should, at least to take the marketing and the paperwork and all the stuff off your plate that you don't really want to do. And that is that is really, really important. And so when you add somebody to the business, 
Entrepreneurs ha tend to have a tendency to do something similar with every person and they hire them for one job and then they expect them to do everything. And so they're doing one thing one week and another thing the next week. And the person can't get into the rhythm. They can't get into the groove of doing what the FBO needs them to do. And so you've got to put them in a job and you've got to like think about it as I put them in a silo. And so they're responsible for doing a certain amount of work. I'm not letting them out of the silo and I'm going to sort of judge. And I don't mean in a, in a, in a way we're not supposed to do, but I'm going to judge whether or not they're doing their job by whether or not they do their job. Got it. <laughs> All right. So that's the systems. Yeah. What else? What, as we, as we sort of do some self-diagnosis here on why we're stuck, what are other things that can help us out? Well, one of the things that, that I learned and, and really, and you know, Jim Knowlton, he is one of our uh, instructors. He's one of our consultants working, uh, helping, working to help the FBOs and the group coaching learn how to sell a little bit better. And I actually went to a presentation that he was doing, and it was about basically how to manage your money. And I've been very fortunate over the years. I, I've always been able to make more than I spend, and I've always been able to save a little bit for the future. And so I thought, hey, I've got no problems. I, I just want to go and support my buddy Jim. And in the middle of that process, it came of his presentation, it came over me like a wave, like a hot wave of water. And all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and I thought, oh, he's talking to me. And so what he was saying was that we as entrepreneurs, as business owners, must determine in advance what is going to happen to the money, which means before we, before we receive a dollar, we need to decide how that dollar is going to be divided up. I'm going to use this much for taxes. I'm going to use this much to pay my household expenses. I'm going to use this much to cover some marketing and advertising for the business. And I'd love to tell you, ever since that day, I'm good. I, I control everything. I don't. But the reality is I'm much more on top of it today. So as entrepreneurs, once you start to get a little taste of success, the money can start to flow in fairly quickly, which is which is really cool. That's a cool thing. But when it flows in quickly and continues to flow in quickly, it'll flow out just as quickly because it is so easy to blow through and just waste, waste money. And I, I don't speak for everybody who is an entrepreneur, but rarely do I ever meet an independent business owner or a franchisee or somebody who believes in capitalism and trying to make it on their own. Very rarely do I meet someone in that group who doesn't have as really their main goal to grow some net worth, to, to ha have a good net worth. And in most cases with entrepreneurs, it's not, I want to grow net worth so I can waste a lot of money and spend a lot of money and drive fancy cars. It's I want to grow net worth so I don't have to be dependent on anybody or I don't have to be subject to the whims of a company or the whims of an employee employer or whatever it is. They just want to be able to stand on their own and do what it is that they want to do. Hmm. So it's that planning piece that you're really talking about, financial planning and where that where those dollars are going to go once they come in, as you've said. You know, one of the questions I get when I talk to small business owners and we try to talk about financial planning is, boy, this seems really hard. Yeah. How, how do I know how much money I'll have to spend if I don't know how much my business is going to do? So maybe talk a little bit about for your business. How, how do you do that planning? What does that look like? How do you make those educated guesses? 
So let's take your example and uh, somebody wants to spend uh, $10,000 a year in marketing. In order to do that, they know they've got to bring in $140,000 worth of revenue. I'm just making numbers up here. And you just have to, you have to reverse engineer your goals. So you have to take the amount of income you wanted. I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard a hundred times before, and you need to back into the number of home inspections you need to do. And then for us, we would back then even further into the activities we need to do. So for example, for our agents, we know that for every two listing appointments we go on, we will list one house. Now, that sounds bad. We're only listing 50%. A lot of people will say I list 80, 90%, but we're churning through listing appointments just as fast as we can. And then for every four today in today's market, for every four or five buyers that we start out the process of helping them buy a home, we will sell them a home. So the reality is we are determining how many people we need to meet with face-to-face -face in order to drive the activities to drive the income. Does it always work? No, but once you start to get, understand your numbers, and if, for example, an FBO said, well, for every 10 phone calls I make, I have one really good conversation and build a relationship with a new agent. And for every five relationships I build with new agents, I get an average of six home inspections a year. And I'm making all of those numbers up, but those are the kind of numbers they need to know because you have to be in charge of the activities that generate the income. And then when the money comes in, you got to follow the plan that you put in place in the first place. So you'll have some left over next year. <laughs> That's always a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so it's not just about, you know, making a, a, an educated guess on where you think your business is going to be next year, but it also really is thinking through the activities that you need to, to undertake in order to drive that, that business that you're looking to bring in. That is right. And one of the things that can happen, Darren, when people do that, uh, when business owners do that, is they see the amount of activities uh, that are required in order to do what they think they want to do, but deep down in their heart, they don't really want to do. And when they see the activities, it causes them to change their goal. And a lot of people would think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Because if I say I want to make $300,000 a year, but I don't want to do the things that I need to do to make $300,000 a year, I'd be better off to know I'm going to make $150,000 and I need to plan all my budgeting around the $150,000. And then I've got to go to work and make it happen. I cannot tell you how many times at the end of the first quarter or the second quarter or the third quarter, or most importantly, that fourth quarter of the year, we are scrambling to get stuff in place. And in real estate, we have a longer lag time than you do. Because we're meeting people, in some cases, six to nine months before they actually close on their home. And in most cases, we're starting to work with them, showing them, home, showing them homes two months before they go under contract. So we have to figure out how do we keep the pipeline full? How do we keep enough new prospects flowing through the pipeline? That's awesome. So that, that's the money side of things. Yeah. You know, it's been said that time is money and money is time, right? So talk to me about, as you think about the other side of that equation and managing time. So we're talking about forecasting where you want to be and be able to manage those outflows. Time is that a, a similar thing. You can't make more of it. So how do we manage the time we're spending in our businesses? So, uh, and by the way, I hate calendars. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I don't like to feel like I don't have any options. I want flexibility. And so I need to have a certain amount of white space on my calendar. Some in the morning, some in the afternoon, maybe one 
uh, day a week. I need to not have any responsibilities in the afternoon so I can fill it up another way. And I'm, I'm, I'm with something else. And I'm trying to clarify because when I say I plan my time in advance, I would imagine most people who are listening to that think, oh, yuck, I'd rather do anything than that. Let me just rock and roll and go with it. But the most important things we have to do for me is I have to work on the people who work in my business and I have to work on the processes in my business. And if I don't work on those things, then I'm going to be using three-year-old processes for today's business. And in the real estate world, things change fast. And so I have to prioritize and I have to schedule that prospecting time. For me, the prospecting time as a business owner is working on that business. It might not be me making prospecting calls because I have other people who are making the prospecting calls for me, but I've got to prioritize that. And when I'm going to meet with people face-to-face, -face, I have three or four different people who can set appointments for me to go meet with people, and they don't have to guess when I'm available to go. They can look on my calendar and see the time blocked out for that type of appointment and know that they can put someone in there. So. If I were to give a recommendation to FBOs across North America, that would be number one, put a minimum of one hour per day, sometimes in the morning, sometimes midday, sometimes in the evening of making prospecting, or let's just call it outreach or connection calls with real estate agents in your market area. And then I would also go ahead and pre-plan the time to spend with them. So if I knew that I wasn't going to do an inspection on Tuesday morning, I was going to have my first inspection start at one, then I would figure out what I was going to fill up that Tuesday morning with. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening going, I can't imagine, you know, not pushing a, an inspection off or refusing to do one. But until you as a business owner start to do that, you're not going to be able to get the traction that you're looking for, for the business to grow. You're just not. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you, because oftentimes when we're talking about planning time, I'll, I'll hear from a franchise business owner that, boy, it's really hard for me to plan on that calendar because I just need to be available when the realtor calls, when they need an inspection, when they need me to come do a lunch and learn or whatever it is. So what, what What's your advice on managing time as it relates to those realtor requests? Again, you're a realtor. You're in that business. Uh, I think oftentimes we're afraid to push back and say, I'm not available at this time. I could be available at another time. What does that look like from your perspective on the other side of this coin? So I, I agree that that is a problem. And as a, as a business owner, it would be concerning to think that I might miss out on business. But if a, a, a person who, for example, might listen to me on the radio wants to meet with me to talk about selling their home, there's only going to be maybe three time slots for the entire week when I can go meet with them. And maybe it's Saturday and maybe it's Wednesday. And then maybe there was one on. And they just have to they just have to fit into it. Um, they just absolutely have to fit into the schedule. And in many cases, they're able to do that. Do we have some where maybe I have to find somebody else to go do it or something like that? Yes. But generally, people are much more flexible than you think. And I happen to have a few of my favorite home inspectors. And if they're not available in the time I need them, I am more than happy to do some rescheduling to make sure that I have my preferred home inspector there. The one I trust, the one I understand the process and we're all synced up nice. So I think when we believe we don't have any control of our schedule and we've got to jump, then I don't think we're being honest with ourselves in real estate, by the way, someone who pops up and goes and shows a home every time somebody wants one or pops up and goes on a listing appointment, Every time somebody wants one, we call them a Pop-Tart. 
and we show them <laughs> popping up out of the toaster and it's like, okay, boom, ready to go. And that's no way to do business. You've got to plan stuff out. And let's be honest, when a business owner who is not accustomed to doing this tries starts to try to do this. It's going to feel weird and it might make things a little worse before things get better. But trust me, if you learn to do it and you learn to say the things that you need to say, you will be surprised at how much business you'll be able to do. Even when you say, no, I can't do that Friday afternoon, but I can certainly do it either on Friday morning or I can do it Thursday afternoon. Or for those who do inspections on Saturday, I could do it Saturday one. That's great. Yeah, so not being uh, afraid to, to push back a little bit and recommend a, a different time, huh? That's great. Well, so, I don't know. You've been in the business a long time, and when, you, when your schedule is overwhelmed, you get to where you feel out of control. Like, you, I can't catch up. I'm constantly running and running, and I can't catch up. And eventually, a business owner has to decide, is it worth it? Is that the way I want to live? And I would say, there may be some who answer, yes, I'm okay living that way. But my guess is the list is not very big who want to live like they're constantly behind. Yeah. So we've talked about systemizing. We've talked about, you know, planning time and money uh, as we're thinking about, you know, trying to get unstuck. What's another angle on this? Where, where do you find people are, are, are kind of getting stuck in their, in the, in the, the activities they're doing in the, in the ruts maybe that they're in? So in today's world, from a real estate perspective, people are stuck. And when I say people, I mean buyer's agents, seller's agents, people who are working with uh, clients. They're stuck because they're saying the same things they said two years ago, but they're doing it in a market that is very, very different. And so when you're saying something to someone else that's designed to move them forward in the process, if you say it often enough and it's not working, then you have to use different words. And I know that sounds like such a simple thing. I'll give you an example. I had a couple of clients in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Easy for you to say. Took me six months to learn how to say Oconomowoc, <laughs> Wisconsin. Beautiful area. Two sons worked for the broker owner who was their dad and we set up a call capture system. So there was an 800 number and somebody could dial it in and they could get information on the property. And after two weeks, this they said, Cleve, this is a joke. It doesn't work. It's awful. No way is this ever going to work. We haven't had to be able to have one conversation with anybody yet. And I said, okay, let's do something different. And they said, okay, good. What do you want us to do different? And I said, that's it. Just do something different. Just don't say what you were saying before. And they said, well, you're not going to tell us. I said, no, I want you to think about what it is you could be saying that might cause them to not want to talk to you. And so we got on our call two weeks later and I said, how did it go? And they said, we've received 12 more leads and we've had conversations with seven of the 12. Just for said, changing the words. Yes. I said, what changed? And instead of answering the phone, this is so-and-so with so-and-so brokerage. They answered the phone and said, real estate information hotline. What can I help you with? And they started having conversations. So if you are prospecting or if you're trying to convince an agent to use you for inspections, you've built a relationship with them or you're talking to an office manager or maybe a broker owner of an office trying to schedule a meeting or you're talking to somebody to try to do a CE class. If you don't like the result that comes from the words you said, it's your fault and you need to change your words. So I fundamentally believe that if our offer was strong enough, 
we could do business with every single person on earth, all of them. Now, I know that's not correct because we couldn't afford to do what we needed to do. In the example I give in the real estate business, they say, oh, uh, the offer doesn't make any difference. Some people are just not ready to move forward. I said, okay, well, how about you try this on your next call? Say, right now we're running a special. And if you move forward to buy your home, we're going to pay for it for you. <laughs> You laugh because we can't do that. But the but the offer we're making now is way over here. And the offer I made is way over here. And what we've got to do is figure out where the offer needs to be so that we can afford it and we can get people to move forward. And I think every business owner needs to look at that and say, what am I offering? What is the value I'm offering this person so that they'll be willing to move forward? Very powerful when you get the concept. Yeah. So as I think about changing my words, you know, I, let's let's say I've been I've been at this a while. I've got my yeah. script down, right? And now I got to start changing the way I'm talking. That that's a hard change to make. What what kind of tips or techniques do you have in terms of being comfortable in making those changes that I that I need to make? So the tip I'm going to give you, you're not going to like it, and neither is anybody <laughs> else. It's not about being comfortable as you make it. It's as you make the change. It's about accepting the fact that you will be uncomfortable. So I'm constantly working on, hey, when we go on listing presentations, we're going to say this. And instead of doing this first, we're going to do it third and we're going to move this here. And I went on a listing presentation last week with an agent on my team because it was my job to teach them how to use the new presentation. When I opened up the new presentation, I couldn't remember my name. I was so confused. And so I just had to kind of find my place and work through it. And it felt so awkward. It felt like my face was red and I was embarrassed because I didn't know where I was. But the reality is, is the agent I was working with thought I knocked it out of the park. And the client says, man, we need to get this thing listed today. And so even if I didn't do it well, I get tongue tied. I, every time I try to use a new script, I, I'll miss my words and get tongue tied. It is okay. The people I'm talking to are human. They do the same thing I do. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to show up and maybe be vulnerable and laugh at ourselves just a little bit and, and move forward. You know, we used to in the direct sales business, and I think this is such a, such a powerful message. We used to recruit college students. And the college students, if they did 15 presentations a week, all summer long, they could get a thousand dollar college scholarship. And so they would go around with these cards and they would knock on the door. Homeowner would come to the door, college kid, open the door, no problem, hand him the card and say, I'm trying to get 15 presentations this week in order to win my scholarship. Would you help me? And they had conversion rates that were by far superior to all of our career salespeople because they got more presentations. And even though their presentations weren't good, even though their presentations were kind of lousy, they still sold a lot more cleaners because they used the right words and they had the right exchange in value. That person who was going to let them come in and demonstrate a cleaner or maybe clean a room of carpet, they got the Car the vacuum service or the carpet service, but what they really wanted to do is they really wanted to help that college kid. Mm. And the value exchange was in that I get to do something nice for somebody. Yeah. In, in uh, the workman coaching groups, we've been talking a lot recently about role playing, about yeah. practicing these things so that you don't yeah. have that red face moment so that you're getting used to that. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, we talked to a lot of people that are just uncomfortable with the role playing. They think it's weird or they don't understand why it would help. Like, what would you say to somebody like that? 
Um, it's you get over yourself. Um, and I know, but I have to do the same thing. Sometimes when I'm role playing and, and, you know, Darren, people love to put me on the spot and start role playing something right in front of 300 people or something. And I've messed it up and I've, I've lost my place and it's just what it is. But the purpose in role playing is to allow you to put your mind somewhere other than on the words you're going to say. The problem is when you go on a presentation, like for me on my new presentation, all I could think about was the words I'm going to say and what I needed to say next because I wasn't with it. But once I've done that 10 or 12 times, it'll just be rote memory. It'll be easy. I'll know what's coming next. I'll know what's next. I'll know the words. So we role play so that we can be very familiar with the flow of the words. I can still recite scripts that I used to use 30 years ago because I said them so much. And then something magic starts to happen because once you don't have to pay attention to the words, you can actually pay attention to the person you're speaking with. And when you get to where you can truly listen for the sigh, maybe on the phone call or listen for the additional interest or, oh, wow, you can hear that. You understand how to talk to them to move them forward. So it's really about freeing your mind so you can listen. Hmm. That's great. Should we try one real quick? What do you think? Totally. Let's do this. Which way you want to do this? Who's going to be who? Let's see. How about, let's go way out of bounds. How about you be the real estate agent? Because that's really out of character. And how about I play the role of a franchise business owner? And I'm going to call you on the phone and I want to try to uh, set up an appointment with you to talk about something. Perfect. Now, can I ask you a setup question? Do we know each other or or you you and I don't know each other at this point? we don't know each other at this point. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So let's try this. All right. I dial the phone. Hey, Cleve Gaddis. Hey, Cleve. It's Darren Ellis with Pillar to Post. How are you today? I'm good, Darren. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Hey, I know you're busy. I don't want to take a lot of your time, but boy, I came across a really cool new tool uh, that we call the winning strategies for multiple offer situations uh, that might help you build your business by helping your buyers uh, get into the right mindset as they're as they're looking out to go on their journey of buying a home. I just wondered maybe if you if you had a few minutes, if maybe we could meet for a cup of coffee coffee next week, and I could share that with you. Is that something you might be interested in? It is. You piqued my interest, but let me ask here now: Are you saying you have like a a process or a system that I can use with yeah. buyers? Yeah, yeah, it's a really great process. And, you know, maybe it's not rocket science. Many of these yeah. things are things you've thought about before, yeah. but it's all encapsulated in just a great way to be able to talk to your potential buyers uh, about uh, the, the the real estate process that they're about to get into. And boy, we know it's tough right now because of the multiple offer situation, but, you know, help them set their their uh, expectations realistically. Yeah, and there's any catch or price or obligation. No, just to, just to meet me for a cup of coffee. How's that sound? Yeah, you 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 can count me in. I'm I'm eager to do it. I'd like to get it get it on the books as soon as we can. Well, that's great. How would uh, next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. work for you? Or if that doesn't work, maybe Thursday at 5 p.m. Let me check real quick. Um, the Thursday at 5 p.m. works perfectly for me. That's awesome. How about we meet at the Starbucks right there on Main Street down the street from your office? Would that work? Perfect. I love it. And I like a uh, sugar-free, non-fat <laughs> latte. We'll be sure to get that and we'll make sure they spell your name right on the cup too. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cleve, thanks so much for your time. I look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, same here. Thank you All for right. calling. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye-bye. So, a couple things 
Yeah. First of all, like the way your cadence and and the way you're coming across, it would be hard for somebody not to want to listen to you because it, it, you sound good. You sound professional. You're not speaking too fast. And the reality is that now, are you going to get everybody to pay attention to you like I just paid attention? No, because nope. people are busy and they've got things going on. But once you get somebody's attention and you can offer them a tool to help them, everything changes. I um, I receive phone calls and emails and text messages every single week and sometimes <laughs> every single day from home inspectors that want to do business with us. And to be honest with you, I don't ever pay any attention to any of it. I just don't pay attention to it. Because it doesn't benefit me. People say, well, wait a minute. It doesn't benefit you. Well, I already have the client, meaning I've already done what I needed to do in order to get the client. I don't need the home inspector who comes in at the last hour and, and helps us work through all the details. I don't. I, I can substitute one or another or another as long as they're good quality home inspectors. But when a home inspector offers me something that is designed to help me increase the flow of business through my business. Now we're freaking talking mm -hmm. and you, nobody should be surprised by the way, when they call and offer to help somebody with no cost or obligation and they're skeptical because yeah. people don't do that anymore <laughs> today, but just be genuinely interested in helping them. And I will tell you right now, as a person who, who, who uses the winning strategies in multiple offer situations, it is a very powerful tool. And just to clarify, it's not really as powerful of a tool teaching buyers what to do, because in some cases, buyers can only do what they can do. But it is a very valuable resource in encouraging more buyers to sit down and talk to the agents in the first place and agents who say, I can't get anybody under contract because none of my buyers are qualified. Well, what they need is not better qualified buyers. They need more buyers because when you have more buyers, there is automatically going to be a more qualified pool in because you have additional buyers. So yeah. prospecting, you'll find a cash buyer that'll solve all your problems. There you go. Well, and that's, you know, again, this is about bringing, bringing value to those realtors, being a, yeah. being a difference maker, right? And yeah. so tools like that can really help. For those listening, by the way, that uh, new winning strategies for multiple offer situations is available uh, in, in uh, the Workman uh, uh, Coach Simple uh, platform. If you're not a part of that, then feel free to reach out to your RD and we get you a copy of that. So, uh, you know, as it relates to the, the role play there, it certainly feels a little strange doing that. You feel a little silly, you know, ring ring kind of yeah. stuff. But uh, I mean, you can certainly see when you when you did it, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> monkey see monkey do right exactly right. <laughs> but exactly. we certainly see why that practice would help right it kind of goes back to as you said before you know you're gonna be uncomfortable well we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable uh we know that the doing the things that we know can help our business move in the right direction you know sometimes they make us uncomfortable but the more we do it the, the more comfortable we can we can become can become so hey it's been great having you today i, I wondered if you just take a minute maybe to summarize what we've learned here in, in terms of getting unstuck and maybe share any parting thoughts you have before we close out so as a business owner it's us whatever's happening we need to accept full responsibility for it because even if we're not the problem we need to be part of the solution that's step number one step number two is we got to plan things in advance and we've got to plan our time in advance so that we can afford to plan our money in advance. We got to invest the time in the prospecting activities. And that is really, really big. 
if you say words to another human being and those words are designed to influence their behavior and get them to do something, if they do not do that, then we need to use different words. Now, I'm not saying we need to lie or cheat or steal or exaggerate or stuff like that. We just need to try a different way of explaining it because in many cases, we explain it one way. Nobody gets it. We change it a little bit and everybody gets it. And it is absolutely huge. And then I'd really like to leave you with one very important final parting thought, and that's regarding role play. Of anything we've talked about today, that has the single biggest probability of influencing your income over time. And my guess is home inspectors are not naturally born salespeople because they're very detail oriented. You couldn't pay me $5 million to do a home inspection because I would be bored in the middle of the inspection and they'd be like, where did Cleve go? He got in the truck and left. He doesn't want to do this. And so understand what makes you so good at what you do is also what's causing you to be hesitant to do what you need to do in order to move the business forward, because it's got to be right. It's got to be accurate. It's got to be on time. When it comes to prospecting and dealing with people, none of those things are true. It has to be the best you can possibly do at the time. And if you're nervous to call people you work with and you're nervous to call people you're trying to prospect to, then, you know, Role play with a group of safe people like your spouse or your kids or your parents or your grandparents or your next door neighbor. Um, I used to practice vacuum cleaner scripts with my my uh, neighbors and my friends and everybody else. And I'm sure when they saw me coming, they, they toward the end, they would run. But I needed to practice. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, thanks so much. This uh, this brings us to the close of our, our podcast today. I want to thank Cleve Gaddis for joining us again. Uh, it's been really great talking with you about how to get unstuck. Uh, to all our listeners or those watching the video, if you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, uh, please reach out to alicia.sumar at pillarpost.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you have a great rest of the day.